0: everyone welcome back to another episode of spark your fire uh i'm your host david shee and always we've got my best man here next to me john camino from
1: bridge to bricks how are you doing john hi there david i'm very well very well uh happy friday uh beautiful day out there and, and good to see you too always uh look forward to our chats on a friday
0: as always mate you look a bit formal today in terms of a Friday let's put it that <laughs> way well, I was expecting t-shirts and thongs and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, people yeah. can't see what we're wearing down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boxer shorts right Boxer shorts Boxer shorts yeah, yeah, yeah been out and about so um but yeah wouldn't nice miss the one. podcast
0: awesome well look yeah as always uh you know we we try to uh uh have a have a brief chat in regards to what's been happening around properties and any interesting news and updates um so it's good to good to have another yarn uh, again about what's uh, what's what's the latest goss in the property space, and I know the biggest uh, topic uh, this week has been both unemployment rate and CPI data. As a matter of fact, um, unemployment rate remained at three point five percent, which is basically a historical low. So in other words, that kind of tells us that the unemployment is still very very um, very very low, and most people are still getting employed and. Therefore, (laughs) um, they are keeping up well with the increasing in mortgage rates and repayments at the moment, okay? So that was one of the key indicators Uh, that came out earlier, can't remember this week or last week, but the CPI data in some promising news, uh, which just came out earlier this week, is uh, now definitely tapering off. Um, We've got a annualized um, CPI data at 6% now, um, so I think that was uh last quarter was around uh I can't remember I think it was um, it was definitely higher so yeah. we are we are trending in the right direction and the CPI for this quarter so in other words quarter ending June is only did only Rose 0.8 percent so if we extrapolate out 0.8 times four that's about 3.2 percent so it's definitely mm. starting to come back into what the RBA wants in terms of the two to three inflation two to three percent inflation band. So it's definitely definitely trending in the right direction. The question is whether it's trending down fast enough from RBA's perspective. So um it'll be interesting to find out what they think and what they say in next week, which is yeah, yeah. you know first of August uh, on that. Um, but a couple of um I guess the the highlights on this month's data. The most significant price rises were rents. So mm. for last month, it went up by 2.5% on rents. Big jump, big jump, I have to say. Yep. Uh, followed by international holiday travels and accommodations at 6.2%. So people must have been spending a lot on international travels, given I think it was school holidays last month. So um, that's, yeah. that probably explains why. Seasonal.
1: Good point. Good point.
0: Um, other financial services at 2.5%. Now, that's a bit broad. But what, what we think is, it's like, that's like insurances. So, you know, home contents, insurances, general mortars, and that kind of stuff. Um, and also new dwelling purchased by owner-occupiers at 1%. So, you know, I think the owner-occupiers are definitely looking to get back into the market, and that's contributing to the CPI data last month as well. So those are the four main significant categories that jumped out uh, in June's CPI data. Any
1: thoughts on those, John? Well, on the categories, I think that the the big spike in the international travel, uh, six and a half percent, or international travel-related things. I think that's to do with the Aussie dollar. I mean, the Aussie dollar's uh remains remains weak. I mean, it's uh, about sixty-four cents. Uh, we started yeah. the year at about seventy cents. It's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, it's it's slow. So what you'd see is a general inflation plus some currency debasement in anything that's international. Uh, so that was interesting. The other interesting thing is that rents are still flying at two and a half percent. There's no uh, no sense that that's going to slow down uh so it's good for property investors it's bad for renters or the obvious uh all the obvious things there i mean that's a really high rate and hmm. rent isn't linked to the australian dollar it's a, it's a very very hyper localized uh good so it was interesting to see uh rent uh, continue now the obvious explanation is that there's a lot of overseas migration they need to uh those overseas migrants are initially renters and it makes sense, but it's all showing up in the CPI data. Overall, I think, you know, because you, you you hit the nail on the head that the quarterly number is actually quite low or certainly getting into that comfort zone, it, it suggests that uh, in terms of the trajectory and, and the annualization that actually the, the recent data is looking pretty good. So the question is, like, when does, when does the annualized data look good? And I think it is we need to lap the... Oct- we need to lap October 2022 because hmm. um, there was a, a fuel excise that went back into the numbers in October last year, yes. uh, which is pushing all the annualized data back up. I think once we get past that, so I think when we're having this conversation in November or December, I think the annualized numbers will they, they, they'd be around three uh, percent by then. So from six to three in just a couple of months, it feels like it feels like that the hard work has been done. Uh, I was listening to the fed chairman uh powell the other night because they raised interest rates another 25 basis points and he was he was just speaking very frankly about how important it is to 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 kill inflation and for all the the very legitimate criticism for the central bankers and i put my hand up as a as a a major critic uh they're right about they're right about Um, one of the things he said, which is really important to to note is that he said planning and economic calculation is impossible when there's inflation. So when prices are changing at 10% per year, what it does is it shortens our ability to make plans. So instead of planning, making a 30 year plan, we make a 12 month plan because planning beyond 12 months is impossible. Um, Being able to calculate what any, what a real return is becomes impossible when you've got high inflation. So look, Credit where credit's due that they've they've done their best to kill inflation. I think they created it and then they killed it. So, uh, so well done, I guess. Um, yeah, I feel like we've got to start to think about a post a post high inflation world, uh, be, being forever vigilant, of course. But if we're if we're moving back to two to three percent, and and we are, then I think as investors we need to think about what that means for us.
0: That's right. That's a, and that's an excellent question, because what does that mean? Does that mean the you know, the, does, the high, does the high rate environment going to continue on even after we got inflation under control? In other words, are they going to let the bullet fly for a bit longer? Mm-hmm. Or will there start to be talks about reducing rates into more of a normal level rather than being restrictive? Because I think it's all very restrictive at the moment. Mm-hmm. While you were talking, I just had a quick Uh, check on the two-year bonds in Australia. I think it's currently sitting at around 4% at the moment. Mm. So cash rate at 4.1%. So right now, I reckon we are definitely, we're slightly restrictive at the moment, but the market's kind of telling us that, you know, we're not too far from basically maybe coming down a little. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Yeah, definitely. I think we're either at, at the terminal rate or there's another rate rise in there, if they raise rates again in Australia, and as you say, the, the two-year yield is actually now below the overnight rate, it, it sort of says that they're trying to stomp the fire out and dance on its grave and then mm-hmm. kill its relatives. So mm-hmm. they're definitely trying to get rid of inflation. Um, you, you know, when I think inflation, though, and I, I zoom right out, what I what I actually think about is that, I mean, the, the, the next... Couple, the next decade could be highly deflationary. Uh, one is interest rates are quite high compared to the amount of debt that we have. And, and think think of this, the interest on the debt in the US is now two and a half times the military budget in the US. Wow. So the, the interest on the debt is nearly $2 trillion a year and the military budget's $800 billion. So So interest rates have to come down soon or there's going to be this, this spiral. But the other thing is, I think, and we've talked about this we're on the edge of a demographic cliff in china we're we've we're in the late stages of that already um europe japan uh you know the our is growing due to aging not due to birth rates so all sorts of interesting phenomenon there but what's the impact of that on inflation well mm. it's it's if if we have a, a lot of people uh leaving the leaving this world that that's highly deflationary so I can definitely see if, you know, China's population 700 million in the next 10 to 15 years, that's very deflationary. Um, and the only thing that could interfere with that, oh, this is a very morbid conversation, isn't it? Terrible. The only thing that they could interfere with that is if the countries that generate a lot of the goods can't don't have enough workers to 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 run the factories then you have supply issues which are inflationary so maybe maybe it all it all evens out but it's a very interesting thing that's sort of rattling around at the back of my back of my head about these demographic issues that were that are going to be very prominent this decade and next decade
0: yeah that's actually very interesting because i think the birth rate across the world at the moment Mm. is at a record low right now right so and that's what that's what the main concern is and you know when you mentioned there might not be enough workers to a degree i also think that's the main thing at the moment. Why services inflation is still proven mm. to be very, very sticky in Australia? Um, we're just not getting enough people to be able to meet the needs uh, on, on you know, from employment perspective, and that's why um, they have to continue to raise the the salaries and 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 all that kind of stuff to attract good talents. Um, uh, but yeah, look, um, it'll be it's it's an interesting topic in terms of demographics, and maybe we can touch on that on, on another day in more detail. Um, I reckon that's for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, but uh, a very, a very valid point in terms of whether there was going to be deflationary environment coming sooner than what we think, than what Maybe. we all think.
1: Yeah, um, pa- Powell said no rate. He said no rate cuts this year, mm-hmm. which is to say that there'll probably be some next year. But he also he doesn't rule anything out. But we, we could, um, we could have overshot the rate increases. We could be heading into recessions and all that sort of stuff so it, it's all very interesting but um I think we, we kind of hold here for for maybe six more months actually uh, yeah. at the you know maybe one more rate rise then they hold and then there's going to be bad data that comes out and they're still going to hold they're not going to uh, lower the rates and I think that that's kind of how they get this is going to play out over the next sort of 12 months um they'll try to hold rates in, in the the face of a recession.
0: I'm concerned about the small businesses in Australia mm. because you know most of them would have some sort of debt at the mm. moment to be able to run the business and seeing how much you know how high the current interest rate is it's just not sustainable to a degree. Um, I mean anecdotally, what I'm reading is um, a lot of restaurant owners even though you can see that you know you can see obviously good restaurants are still booming a lot of people spending but the reality is, uh, all that profit's gone into salaries, the wages, mm. basically. So, you know, yes, it might look like uh, the, the the restaurants are making a lot of money, but the reality is the owners are kind of saying, no, we've got a high interest rate at the moment, you know, obviously, we've got higher repayment. Mm. Um, the workers are asking for a lot more as well. Um, so we got to pay them a, a more in that sense. So profit's actually lower uh, in comparison. And, um, yeah. you know, I think I'm not sure how how sustainable another six months will be for small businesses. Um, But I suspect, you know, from what I'm hearing, Telstra Westpac's already started laying off staff uh, at the moment. So unemployment rate is going to be trending up. um, Mm. And Mm. um, um, how quickly quickly that's going to change the tone with RBA when they see that is going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. I, I'm not a big believer in the unemployment rate as a as a measure. It's I, I'm skeptical about all these things. I don't like GDP because it's a it, it's an aggregate. Uh, I don't like uh, CPI because it it's it like includes or you know all that stuff. <laughs> so, oh, John, John, being cynical again. Uh, so unemployment it, it's highly dependent on how many people are participating, uh, yeah. and we've got an aging population. Fewer people are participating, so it's hard. It's hard to know if it's uh, how meaningful that is. Um, but you see that the main layoffs are happening in the tech sector which is quite interesting so there's a sort of engraving train in sort of tech and software and and and, uh, and, and so on and now ai is coming to get the, it's like a frankenstein mm. uh, the monster reading frankenstein so uh, but but tech is where a lot of these layoffs are and that's okay i mean if there were, if the, i mean it's not nice but but every industry goes through like a reckoning uh where there was over over investment uh and then they pull back they have to yeah it's sort of maybe they overinvested and now they've got too many resources that are they are idle and then they have to rein that in so yeah but okay. it's happening in tech which and again for australia that's not so bad we don't have a big tech uh tech industry but if you're in california that that's a big that's a big mm. problem mm. Mm. indeed okay
0: all right so in summary look i think cba data is definitely trending in the right direction mm. uh but um and it's for the first time, services inflation is a lot higher than goods inflation. So goods inflation is now under control, um, but services inflation is at a historical high over in, compar- yeah, in twenty years. So services inflation yeah. remains to be the main concern, uh, which I think the RBA will be pointing that out in August. Uh, but what do you reckon, John? Do you reckon there'll be another another trigger? Are they going to are they going to are they going to put it up again in August? I mean, we're no betting men, but yeah, yeah, might as well ask. It.
1: Oh, look if I, if gun to the head what do i think i think that uh uh, Lowe will put rates up before he leaves. So he's, his last meeting is September, I think, uh, September, maybe this October. This might be the last so. one, actually. Um, this then, one?
0: And then Michelle is probably going to take over Right, okay, okay. Yeah. So I think
1: they'll put rates up at the next meeting, though they don't have to. Uh, but I think that they will because uh, then the new governor sort of comes in with a clean sheet, um, you know, in six months' time, they'll probably be be dropping rates. Um, mm. But, yeah, so I think that they'll go up one more time. Okay. Okay. What what do you think? Look, I'll,
0: I'll go. I'll go contrarian. <laughs> Otherwise, it's no fun, right? It's yeah, what's the of fun that? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say. I'll mm. say they'll take a conservative approach and put it on hold. Yeah. Um, having said that, that might that might just let the bullet fly a little bit longer, and then get another month's data and potentially mm. do another raise in September. Um, of course, if they want to play the political game, they'll probably let Lo to, to pull the trigger now before he before he exits. Um, so that way michelle bullock can come in as a, as a, as a as a saver and then be able to mm. drop the rates and and leave her name in um in the history as a, as a one bringing australia out yeah, of the yeah. uh, out of this mess but that's a more of a political term um i mean the, the the data looking the only pressure in terms of being able to put it up another point a 25 basis point in my opinion is due to um fed raised overnight rate Bingo. i mean, that's that's Bingo. pretty much it that will be the only pressure um because as you said you know if we don't um then australian dollar's going to get weaker and that's going that's going to impact the imports yeah. and exports Yeah,
1: so. i think that's the the uh, uh, un, uh sort of certainly under mentioned side of of interest rate policy that they're trying to maintain some sort of a sta- stability to the US dollar which is mm. the global reserve so yeah okay we'll, we'll let's
0: see. see we'll find out we'll find out on Tuesday this coming Tuesday Sorry. Awesome. all right well moving on um there's an interesting data points that we found out this week uh in regards to the total new investor listing sell yes um and um, this is the this is the latest data that came out from CoreLogic. I think it goes up to June 2023. Uh, but what it shows us is basically the the new investor listings at the moment is um, for Sydney and Melbourne. We're talking about yep. is trending at about forty percent. So for Sydney, it's forty percent of total listings. So what that means is forty percent of total listings are investors selling off in June 2023. Um, and for Melbourne, that's also a very, very straight point that's being shooed up at the moment, which is sitting at about 37% as at June 2023. So I thought that was a very, very interesting um, graph, which I'll just put it on there, uh, temporary for people who is on um, uh, the, uh, the the YouTube channel to have a look. Uh, but as you can see in front of us at the moment, the blue line is Sydney and the red line is Melbourne. We've got the black line, as the total Australia, the trend is all kind of going up at the moment. So that kind of suggests that the investor selling is starting to go up. Um, But if we look at the long-term trend prior to 2020, so that's probably where the COVID era is. Prior to 2020, we're looking at about an average of a 25% investor sell-off rate. But starting 2020 onwards, so let's assume this around 2020 to 2021, that's the COVID era. There is a Massive sell-off, uh, probably due to a lot of uncertainty as well during that period. So that's more to do with people's confidence, and it starts dropping down again as we eases as COVID eases. And now with the with the last twelve months, so looking at twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, because of the aggressive rate hikes, we are now seeing the investors looking at selling off again. Um, which is interesting. I think the, the the key thing to look at here is trend and uh, who's better to ex- extrapolate and uh, give us the narrative here than Mr. John <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about this uh, trajectory um, and trend? Yeah pick out of it
1: uh, look, it's, some of it's surprising some of it makes sense. I mean so f- I know that like peak home ownership or home ownership are uh, peaked. Hmm. in about the year 2000 2000 to 2005, right? So that was sort of peak um, home ownership and it it would be sort of shifted back towards being a bit of a renter society. So maybe some of this is telling us that uh, there are more investors than there were, say, 20 years ago. And therefore, naturally, as a proportion of the total stock on the market, more are going to come from investors because investors own more stock. But but it's a very steep change in the um in the amount of uh in investors you know making up the 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 selling pool so it's telling us a couple of things I think owners who live in their own home are holding on uh white knuckled onto their homes and they don't mm-hmm. want to sell whereas I mean if you're a um an investor you're certainly f- f- far more flippant about whether or not you sell a property because you may still own a own a property and you're just selling off an, an investment um but You know, investors experience less pain during a high interest rate period because uh, you're getting a rental income. You may or may not be able to put the rents up, but you're getting a rental income. And you can claim the interest component as a tax deduction via negative gearing, which I'm all for. But nonetheless, uh, it takes the sting out of the higher interest rates because you get a proportion of that back. I would be thinking that the people with the greatest distress would be homeowners who bought between 2019 and 2021 that's what I I kind of would have thought uh so I'm surprised to see I'm surprised to see investors hitting the exit button or the panic button if that's what it's telling us um in 2021 when when the amount of investors selling spiked that kind of made sense and the reason for that is there was very low stock altogether and rents went down by 20 20- percent so rents uh, uh plummeted so you'd have had investors thinking what's the point of holding on to this thing but why it's happening now uh, it's obviously interest rate related but i don't it doesn't really make so much sense to me um what what what, what do you think of the trend the the spike in uh, in investors selling as a proportion of total sales in 2023
0: yeah look i i think if i if i look at this trend and and the primary focus here is sydney and melbourne um Sydney, primarily investors are obviously purchasing a higher value property, which means they mm. are usually geared up a lot more, which means they are usually more susceptible to higher rate fluctuations. Um, as such, let's say, you know, even if people put their debt or investors put their debt on interest only, that's still a significant uptick in terms of the repayments. Um, so the rent hasn't, even though the rent's been going up, but you know, we only allow to put up rent in New South Wales once every 12 months. So it's not like you can tick it up every month or every six months. Mm. So the mortgage repayments have jumped up so much to the degree where even in investors who are on interest-only repayment is probably starting to see a very, very negative cash flow, let alone those who are on PI repayment. It's even worse. So coupled with the fixed rate cliff or the fixed rate that most people are coming off. Back in May, June, July this year, um, I suspect that's why it's causing. You know, when people are starting to look at the numbers, they go, "You know what? It's probably not worth holding one of the." Uh, you know, they might look at their property portfolio and they go, "I'm I'm going to have to get rid of one uh, property um, so that way, mm. and I will want to sell with a profit." Which this graph doesn't quite show, um, but hopefully they are mm. selling off for a profit in order to take that profit and be able to. Potentially reduce their home loan down a little bit so they can still maintain their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But yeah. The, yeah, the main trend is that you know Sydney is definitely one of the ones that's got the highest sell off at the moment. Mainly, I think because of that high mortgage uh, debt that they have uh, associated with the yeah. property. Um, in terms of Melbourne, I think the that's also shooting up very very quickly at the moment as we can see. Um there's a there's another level of complexity in here, I think and that was mainly because uh of the Dan Andrews starting to to try to put the rent cap on um with the um uh, in Victoria investor property investment properties. I think that's still currently in progress, but there are talks about you can't increase your rent within the two-year period. so that's really nailing um in the the coffin um plus on top of that, they've been, I think the same very blatantly to say that we're, we're increasing the land tax for residential properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, pretty much everyone who has an investment property in Victoria now will have to pay land tax <laughs> in order to cover for the COVID era in which they, you know, the the, the shortfall they have. So yeah. I think that's driving a mass exodus of investors getting out of uh Victorian investment properties. So that side of things is a lot more complex than the New South Wales slash Sydney investors. Mm. But I, I suspect that's why the red line is also trending up, shooting up horizontally because of the fact that there's a lot more political and government stance play here. Um, but yeah, you can see the black line is also going up um, as well, um, You know, but it's not shooting up as steep as, as the other ones. And that's probably mainly due to the rest of the state's investors are not as over leveraged as what they are with Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. investors so um that's my read of it um but look anecdotally uh you haven't seen many stocks flooding the market at the <laughs> moment so i think it really mm. depends on the area that you're looking at and prior to coming on air uh i think we we briefly mentioned you know it might be to do these these might be the ones that's kind of like you know for investors who've gone into potentially the southwest side of sydney who at the moment is is kind of express experiencing the highest level of Distress in terms of mortgages, or the western side of things, or even the north side of uh, northern, you know, the um, uh, the uh, northwest. Talking about you know the Kellyville, the Box Hill, the the um, you know all that kind of areas. Um, yeah, because that's still people with a lot of mortgages there as well. So yeah, what do you yeah. think, John?
1: So, so I, I think I think you're you're right. You know, you said something that. I really had this aha moment, and it was sort of about state governments talking about uh, rental protections and mm. and uh, limitation of putting rents up and those sorts of things. I reckon you you might be onto something. I mean, it's hard to confirm these things because we're trying to interpret a graph, but I think like a a general hostility to landlords uh, it, I think it's definitely feeding into this chart, so that's a very interesting point point. Mm, really? uh, and I think I think you're I think you're right uh particularly if if you look into the future and you're a landlord and you think i i i'm not going to be able to put my rents up but my uh repayments just went up by 70% uh you, you must be thinking is this worth it so that's a really good point um one other thing that is slightly more controversial and it's sort of picking at a scab from last week but i think i think part of this is that I think there's a lot of interest only debt out there's a lot of interest only debt out there yes. and I think that if uh you know someone had been paying off some principal on their investment debt from say 2019 that would be $100,000 less in debt and uh th- th- so I think that there's a an issue with conventional wisdom but the the most leveraged markets are Sydney and Melbourne and it'd be feeding into that and I say that Intentionally provocative because we had some great feedback on last week's uh, 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 podcast. um, Most of it critical uh, uh, to to my uh, P and I perspective, and I love it. So keep the feedback coming.
0: And uh, not much talks about Io, but anyway, I'll take that as is. (laughs) Well, that's uh, (laughs) that's that's the uh, conventional wisdom, and I know we love to challenge the conventional wisdoms. But uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, There's been some. It has sparked some great discussions there. So uh, definitely keep them coming. That's for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, so I thought that that's worth sharing uh with our listeners. Um it will be interesting to see when the next update comes out, whether that listings continues to grow. Um and um yeah, we might uh we might we might see whether that gives us further indications on the investors continuing to sell off because they just don't think it's worth it um in that sense. So all right, um now uh onto our uh, a bit of a topics uh on on property i think um so uh this week i think john we uh, we want to touch on let, let me give you a hypothetical i think you know we, we'll, we'll we'll get you to put on your your buyer's agent hat a little bit Uh-oh. here <laughs> and um and um you know we'll we'll give you a scenario here to see what sort of advice you could give uh you could give to our uh, listeners um in terms of buying renovated properties versus unrenovated properties. Now, this is a pretty common question that gets asked all the time. I'm pretty sure you do. I get asked as well, you know, because people's budgets are limited in today's market. We all know borrowing capacity has reduced about 30 to 40% and cash are very, very limited because it's hard to save right now with, um, um you know, with a high cost of living as well. So, with the the question that comes down to okay, do I buy something that's already renovated, or you know uh, maybe a bit further out from the outback, or do I look at maybe buying something that's um, a bit closer to potentially Sydney CBD, um, but it's uh, it's in a pretty crude form, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and we'll just and you know so is that so that's number one question uh, basically, um, and then the the second part of the question. The second part of the question then would be, if I buy in on renovated property, do I renovate now or should I be waiting out a bit longer and renovate later?
1: Uh, Are we investors or are we uh, Um, owner-occupiers?
0: This is an investors podcast. So why don't we keep it to investors?
1: Okay. Um, So the first question was, do you buy something... That's already renovated. In in, an inner ring suburb that is tired and needs a renovation, or do you buy something a bit further out but that you can move straight in and get your tenant in there straight away? Uh, So, um, first thing to say is, unrenovated means different things to different people. So, uh, and what a renovation means. this, This is where in in. In my uh, game, one of the most difficult things is if you see something that needs a renovation, the the vision that my clients have to bring that into a, a, a better state can vary. You know, some people may want to spend $300,000 and move mm. walls around and other people may want to replace the kitchen at Bunnings. And so renovation and unrenovated means different things. But generally speaking, you want to – uh prioritize the unchangeable things. You want to prioritize those things that can't be changed. So if you've got a a place on a main road versus a place that needs a kitchen renovation, you'd buy the place that needs the kitchen renovation because you can't, you can change the kitchen, but you can't change the main road. So generally speaking, if you can buy something a little bit closer in that needs, needs some work, that is probably preferable. So the location is unchangeable. You, You would, you would buy, the thing that needs the renovation. Now, renovations are expensive at the moment. And actually, one of the mo- most interesting things that I'm seeing out there is that the difference between renovated and unrenovated has never been as big as it is now that I can that I can tell. Um, there are some steep discounts for properties that need some love. And that's because in an infl- inflationary environment, you, you can't estimate the cost of improving a property and they always blow out. So people's budgets are conservative and people assume that these renovations are going to blow out and which is reasonable so people are really prizing finished products to to unrenovated yeah i prefer unrenovated and i prefer to get a tenant in there straight away so if i can get away with painting the property and leasing it out or not even painting the property, i know it sounds like i'm a slumlord but um but i i'd I'd much prefer to come back to it later right so get it cash flowing even if it's not maximal max uh, maximum cash flow Get a tenant in there as soon as possible. Mm. If I need to paint and steam clean the carpets, then let's do that, and then get it on the market. That that's that's my preference. I I I want to accumulate as many properties as I can. I'm not so worried about um, the condition at at the moment I purchase it. So that that's that's what I've seen work. Um, the other advantage is you do get some depreciation benefits if you do the renovation yourself. Mm uh so there there's there's that although it's just tax right
0: it is yeah it is yeah. um
1: yeah okay so that 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 would be so buy unrenovated although i'm assuming unrenovated just means tired uh if it means uh more than that then maybe maybe there's some course correction in my answer. Uh the other one is renovate now or later uh later if you can, later if you can. Uh don't don't, yep. uh, don't fetishize the renovation. It's uh it's it's not as important as you think it is when you're walking through the property the first time. So just get a tenant in there.
0: That's true. So in other words, keeping keeping the cash flow flowing is yeah. is important. As long as you can get a tenant in there, as long as you can get the rent uh mm-hmm. to get paid to in order to cover, you know, the mortgage repayment, help yeah. with the mortgage repayments that's probably the most important part
1: right yeah you, you want the property to be safe and clean yeah. so you want you want like a electrician to do a safety check and look at the safety boxes and stuff like that and spend money on that uh you want it to be clean so get a carpet cleaner in or replace it but beyond that be very wary of, of overdoing overdoing it uh, you can come back to it later yeah and also the, the other thing is um the the priority is getting the property like your your priority Accumulating or buying the property. Uh, if if you if you start daydreaming about this uh, this renovation, which I'm um, which will add value, no doubt it would add value, um but it it detracts from your ability to secure the property. So then you'd be imagining renovating a property that you don't have. Uh, so <laughs> it's like fighting the fog. Renovate later. Uh, keep it clean and safe. Mm-hmm. What what, I- what do you think? probably seen this a thousand times as well yeah
0: i would add on to that too john uh, but yeah really really great points um the first thing is um uh, i guess if you buy a renovated property you can't be sure of the quality that's been done mm. to it as well i mean it might look all brand new and flashy in on the outside but who knows you know they some some of the tradies may unfortunately cut some corners in the back end um i have heard and seeing some investors who bought a pretty much a fully renovated say bathroom in that sense mm. but 6 months down the track it's causing a lot of water damages and leaking issues and that's costing them a lot more money to fix uh down the track as well so um yeah you know be careful about be careful about these um second thing is uh um tagging on to what you were saying before John um try not to overcapitalize on renovations, I think, as you, as you rightly pointed out, uh, during accumulation phase, the, the focus should be thinking about what um, how can I maximize my accumulation during the accumulation phase rather than putting money mm-hmm. onto actually renovating uh, at this point, just from cosmetic or even from a major renovation perspective. Um, so be careful about overcapitalizing on these things. Um, so my stance with you are on the same page on that one. Um, the first thing is i'm an advocate of uh, adding value i like i like properties that we can add value to um we all do right so um <laughs> so and the idea is you know you buy something that's a bit dated and tired and um so during accumulation phase you get as many of these as you possibly can uh, and then down the track uh when your accumulation phase is done you can then start looking at adding value maybe by generating you know by by replacing the carpet do another lick of paint you can generate a bit of equity, even just by that those simple things that you can do. But mm. it's not the most priority uh, in the initial beginning, um, and um, that's why I always think that there's scope for you to be able to manufacture equity down the track on properties is important. Hence, I like properties that's on renovated to a degree mm. over renovated properties, uh, and that and that I think you know extrapolates to. Uh, let's say for example, a block that can potentially be subdivided or a block that you can add granny flats down the track as well. So something that you can acquire now that's got that future ability, but you do not need to execute it straight away. That can be something that can be done later um you know uh, i have one my uh, one of them myself in, in logan that you know we're blocked block that can be subdivided or out of granny flat on so i love that mm. you know um i wish i get more of them but they don't come up very yeah, often yeah. so um yeah but that's definitely one of the things um that's why i would i would favor towards a unrenovated property over a renovated property and again i would prefer to do them later rather than now
1: yeah yeah okay excellent excellent and i think because I 100 percent agree as well uh and you, you mentioned over capitalization it made me think about one one thing which is maybe a footnote mm-hmm. that um if you if you did like a renovation goes further in a premium area than it does in a in, in a in a non-premium area so if you if you wanted to uh do a bigger renovation you you're taking fewer risks mm-hmm. if you do it in Double bay than yes. you are if you do it elsewhere. Uh, uh, that that applies to flipping as well. Like pl- flipping really makes sense in like the eastern suburbs. Mm. But but uh, and I know people have made money everywhere. But but actually, um, renovation makes more sense in, in these sort of bigger areas because you're getting more than your money back, or more than twice your money back when you do it. Um, yeah, good one. And you know what? It also ties into, you know, do and you mentioned this uh, as well, but. Uh, when I buy a property, do I put the granny flat on now or do I put the granny flat on later? Uh and buy another property mm. instead. Mm. And tying into sort of our our topic, if you were to do the granny flat option, buy the properties first, build the granny flats later. Um that, that would be the the best way to do it. And part of the reason is is that credit is scarce. The bank the banks uh, uh the bank likes you less and less as you get older and older. Uh, so you want you want to borrow from the bank when they like you the most. And that's when you're making your most money and when you're young. So accumulate your properties first and then put the granny flats on later. Yeah, in my opinion.
0: Yeah look I I think on that I'm I'm on the same page as well um because of I think if when you build the the only, the other thing that uh, people need to be mindful of is um, if you spend 150k on a granny flat that doesn't necessarily translate to 150k to the property value as well generally speaking yeah. if you take that up to a, a evaluation uh because of the fact that the, you've added a second dwelling uh on on a block of land they might only take 60% of that 150k as an added value to what you have done. So, you know, for those people who are looking to be able to build a granny flat on back on the back and go, I spent 150k on it, I should be able to pull 80% of the equity. Now, on that extra value, that might not be that might not work necessarily. So, just yeah. need to be mindful of that. Um, and the other thing is adding a granny flat, generally speaking, is more of a cash flow strategy. So, you want to be able that's when you want to improve on the cash flow during the initial acc- accumulation phase. Cash flow improvement is probably not the most priority, uh mm. top priority in terms of what you should be doing. Um but yeah, like you said, I would spend every cent into acquiring another property or another block of land or something over um that money into building a granny flat. So yeah,
1: yeah,
0: good points, John. Likewise. Awesome. All right. <laughs> uh anything else you want to cover?
1: No, uh, good good chat. Good chat.
0: As always, mate. Happy to have you. And uh yeah, we love these Friday chats. Um, as always, what we cover today is general nature. Please do seek specific advice if you are taking any actions, uh, including uh, accountants, mortgage brokers, financial planners, whatever. Um, and um, hopefully there's no rate rises next month, uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll keep everyone posted, but uh, otherwise stay safe and we'll see you guys again in an episode of Spark Your Fire. Cheers. John and David.